This is Anecdotally Speaking, the podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. I'm Sean Callahan, And I'm Mark Shank. And before we get started this week, I had a little experience in Sydney yesterday uh, running a workshop and one of the participants is a podcast listener, which was great. You know, it was great. We like to hear nice that. To have a, you know, somebody a friendly face in the audience. Yes. And uh, at the morning tea break, he came up to me and he's going, I love the podcast, etc. But what do you guys do? <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> and I kind of realized that, you know, we're now, this is our 16th episode uh, of the podcast. We haven't actually told people what we do. And, and I guess we do a number of things, but Probably the main thing that people might be interested in what we do is our purpose as an organization is to help restore humanity to the workplace. And we do that using stories. And our objective is to help business leaders and salespeople put stories to work. So we've got two programs, Storytelling for Leaders, which is about helping leaders communicate better, how to influence, engage, and inspire. And Storytelling for Sales, which uh, also aim to help sellers influence, engage, and sell more. Yeah, so that's, great. that's kind of what we do. So, for any of you listeners who have the same question in your mind, well, that's that's part of the answer. That's that's kind of two of the main things that we do here at Anecdote. I guess over the last few years, what we've done is we've taken those programs and we license them to other companies, don't we, Mark? And uh, that's what keeps us very busy because these companies are all around the world and uh, keeps us on our toes. But yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. And we're just in the process of getting it translated into uh, Indonesian, which will be the 12th language. Indonesian? Yes. Bahasa Indonesia. Right. Well, it's probably one of the more, I was going to say, simpler languages to learn as opposed to Mandarin or something like that. Yeah. It's also hopefully going to be easier to translate because different languages have uh, different complexities in translation. Yes. Japanese, for example, well, we've been working for about a year trying to get the Japanese translation perfect. Right. Yep. It's just, it's a very complex language and it's got different nuances uh, depending on the context. And so uh, getting the business nuance uh, absolutely correct has been, let's just say it's been complex. Right. A challenge. Yes. Hey, I, we have some news for everyone, right? And it was, was pretty exciting for us uh, not too long ago. We got a, an email that said that we'd been shortlisted for the Australian Podcasting Awards. How about that? Yeah, that was a very good email to receive. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're, we're one of five podcasts in the, uh, the, the category of business and marketing. And the a big event when it's all been announced is on the 5th of May. I think it's in the Spiegel tent. This is all part of the comedy festival, I would say. You know, the Spiegel tent is when they... In Collingwood. In yep. Collingwood. So that will be, um, that'll be pretty exciting. And yeah, so thanks very much for all those, uh, all those folk who are listening to our podcast and enable us to you know, continue doing this little thing that we love to do. Now, uh, let me think. What do well, we need the, to the, talk about now is... Well, firstly... I guess we should remind people that our objective here is to share a business story, talk about why it works and how we can use it in business. Yes. And because it's an even number, Sean, your turn to tell a story. So what do you got for us today? Okay. Well, I guess this came about in a conversation I had with a client, Karen Stanton. She works for a very interesting organization called International Flavors and Fragrances. They just call it IFF? Yeah, I think they call it IFF for short. They were actually founded in 1889, so a very long-running organisation. Uh, you know, they're a massive corporation now, I think about $3.5 billion in revenue. But, you know, when you go into a supermarket and you look at just about any product, 
that has some flavour or fragrance to it, all the fake ones, you know, inside the, the main sort of aisles on the outside of the supermarket, all the ones in the aisles, I suspect, have these flavours. But these are products that IFF uh, have a big part to play. So, so if I go to the, uh, you know, the fresh produce area and they produced a steak flavour, Look, steak I, ho- I hope not, I hope not. But... You know, if you, you know, pull your uh, you know, dishwashing liquid and has a nice lemon scent or something like that, they would have created the lemon scent for that. In fact, I've heard that different buildings, different types of buildings have their own scent and these companies make those scents. So, for example, um, with casinos, they, this is a bit of a scary thought. That's probably why I keep right away from casinos. But if you go into a casino, there's actually... You know, the certain smell of, I don't know, poverty going through that uh, organisation that encourages you to keep gambling. Uh, so, OD Hope. OD Hope, that's it. That's the one. So, um, but anyway, I was chatting to Karen and she was telling me that over a number of years, one of their major fragrances, uh, uh, sorry, one of their uh, major flavours was uh, strawberry. And it was being beaten out by one of their competitors. And every year... They were losing ground to this particular competitor. So she said, look, she was head of marketing. Um, She needed to do something to change that direction. And so she got, she was at that stage head of the Asia Pacific business for marketing. And so she got all the, her colleagues from different countries, you know, from Japan and Indonesia, Malaysia, you know, China, all together into a room, did a big workshop about you know, what could they draw from this product about this idea of strawberries that could differentiate them? Anyway, as they were going around, the Japanese team sort of came up and said, look, there's kind of an informal ritual in uh, Japan, right? And that is when we eat our strawberries, we always start with the tip and we savour it. You know, it is, it's the juiciest, most flavoursome part of a strawberry. Surely, Mark, you've experienced this, right? Well, I am definitely going to go and buy a strawberry and try it. Try it out? <laughs> okay. So, And when this, when this was suggested or told, they were talking about this in the, in the workshop, everyone sort of went, oh, this is interesting. Maybe we can test it out. Of course, these companies have very sophisticated scientific laboratories and they sent the, the message down to their scientists saying, can you get a whole bunch of strawberries, thin slice them, and cross-section them and take each thin slice, measure the sort of level of flavour, intensity of the flavour, and where is the greatest intensity? Of course, you know, as our intuition would suggest, the flavour where it was all happening was at the strawberry tip. And so what they did was they renamed their product Strawberry Tips, but also they attached to it the story of how they discovered that's where the flavour was. And get lo and behold, next thing you know, the market for their strawberry tips just started to grow and grow and grow. And next thing you know, they were way ahead of their competitors again. So, you know, just this one change was actually having a, an enormous impact on their business. So the change of name and the story literally made that brand more valuable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's 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 a kind of a funny thing. People... I guess underestimate the impact the story can actually have. But I know we've, we've had fun sort of looking at that uh, website called significantobjects.com. It's a great web- – if you want to check it out, go and have a look at this website. These couple of guys, they went out and they uh, collected pretty uh, what, cheap objects. Yeah, from, just che- they bought cheap objects on eBay. Right, and then they wrote a story about those, uh, those objects – 
and then posted it back to eBay with the story, right? And it was something like, you know, sometimes it went from an object that cost $4 to an object that they sold for $120 just because there was a story yeah, well, attached the, to the, it. The, the, the biggest percentage increase was uh, this porcelain squaw. Yes. And it, they bought it for $1.59 mm-hmm. and they sold it for, I think, something like $189. Yeah, yeah. And the story was actually quite cool that the the, uh, the writer had written. So yeah. Anyway, the whole idea of that and using it using this uh, in workshops and, and conference presentations is fantastic because people just go, "Wow, you know, like the story has literally made these objects vastly more valuable." Yes, yes. And in fact, I remember seeing this whole thing demonstrated. Annette Simmons uh, came out to Australia and did a whole series of, um, of talks, and we sponsored her to, to give some in Sydney. And that's where I first saw that significantobjects.com oh, right. website. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so it was a, a nice little uh, discovery. The, the thing, though, about significant objects is, of course, they make up those stories, right? Whereas what they did here at IFF was that they created the story. Right? They went out, they went to the scientists, they got them to do the investigation and you know, the results gave them a story. It was, there's a big area now of data storytelling, right? You know, how do you tell the story of data? And it's, it's an example of that, if you like. Yeah, and of course, they didn't have to make anything up. There was, you know, it was not a construction at all. They, was, they were simply recounting the process that they went through yeah. that caused them to name the product Strawberry Tips. Exactly. No, I, I wrote a paper probably last year sometime around data storytelling and I was just talking about the different types of tactics you can use. And one of the tactics is to tell the story of the discovery, right? You know, if your data doesn't lend itself to time series analysis, which is really what stories are all about, then the discovery of the insight is fabulous as a story. So what do you reckon? Um, why, do, why do you think this story works? What it's a simple story, isn't it? It's not a great reveal or anything like that. There's not sort of a big drama about it uh, per se, but what do you reckon about this story that sort of helps it move along? Well, I guess that pretty much everybody has tried strawberries at some stage, so yeah. uh, it's something that we can all associate. So that, that element of fam- familiarity. Yes, yeah, uh, definitely. It's something very concrete that we can all associate with. In fact, you, know, you just say the word strawberry and I have an immediate picture of that luscious red fruit yeah and when you think about the japanese experience of it of course they have an extra level of uh i don't know quality or something they have amazing strawberries over there i don't know where they get them and of course the japanese are kind of renowned for their delicacies yes and their understanding of nuance yes indeed yes yes that's part of it i think yeah i think the other thing that works in this story is Immediately you learn it's about this big company that's got a, a long tradition, you know, they were founded in the 1880s. You know, I don't know if we mentioned they were headquartered in New York. They're sort of like a, you know, a big international company, right? And this works well if you're talking to other big international companies. It doesn't work well if you're talking to a little startup, for example. Or it doesn't work as well, I should say, because they do aspire to be a larger thing, don't they? There are many of the startups. But often, if you tell a big company story to a small company, they sort of go, oh, it's not really us. Yeah, because one of the key tests that people apply is relevance. Yeah. And so if the story is not relevant or, or not particularly relevant to the audience, then in general, 
the story doesn't work that well. Yeah, they just dismiss it, don't they? And so you might have an absolutely fabulous story that works really well in one context, but you take it to a different context, suddenly it loses its relevance. And so even though it's a fantastic story elsewhere, it kind of falls flat. So it's one of the things that's worth really understanding is what's the context in which your story works. And so, yeah, so just a word of advice for people out there is you should always test your stories to figure out, is it going to work? Because believe me, Sean and I have made that mistake a few times. (laughs) Yeah, indeed. I think the other element which is important in this story, and it's not a it's not a really well. It is a big part of the story, and that is there's science involved, right? As soon as you bring science, you know, you bring some level of veracity to what you're saying. There's a method, of course. You know, the scientists listening would probably roll their eyes at this stage and sort of say, "Well, you know, where's the blind tests and uh, what was the hypothesis?" And you know, there, there's probably a lot of methodological problems in the way this was done. However, um, you know, that's just the way it was told to me. I mean, they may have gone through all those. Absolutely. I totally understand that some people would have that methodological question in their mind. Mm. But for the majority of listeners, that's not really important. They're not going to get stuck on that. And besides, for the majority of listeners, if you started to go through, you know, demonstrating the methodological soundness of the approach, even if you knew it, you'd probably be putting a lot of people to sleep pretty quickly. (laughs) I guess, again, that's context. So just pick up on the science thing. Yeah. So uh, it is really important that we get the data right in our stories because our view is that stories are facts wrapped in context and delivered with emotion. You've got to get the facts right. Yes, indeed. So that's one of the reasons why I think this story works is it's got that logical, rational, scientific basis. Yeah. You know, wouldn't it be good if we had people working for us? I know this happens, you know, in magazines like The New Yorker and, uh, you know, those, 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 those fabulous mags where they have fact checkers. The, the writer writes the story, hands it over to the fact checker and away they go and they're just making all those. Unfortunately, life doesn't work that way. You have to do your own fact checking in many cases. Okay, so that sounds good. I mean, there's some, I think there's some really good reasons why this works, right? Absolutely. Is there, is there something we could do, though, to make it a better story, Mark? Well, like, look, I think there is. Yeah. I'm interested in adding more data. What was the percentage increase in market share for their strawberry flavor? You know, like getting some data that demonstrates the efficacy of the story. Yes. For example, significant objects, you know, purchased for $1.59, sold for 190 that's yeah, great. that's good stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Whereas in this case, it's the sales went up significantly and overtook their competitors. Yeah, yeah. Which is good, even better if you've got the data to support it. Yeah. But you're in one of those situations where you're probably unlikely to get that data, right? True. Because so, it's competitive and, you know, the, the head of marketing is not going to give away that sort of information to you. But it would be great if you could have it. Yep. So another thing that would make it even better, you know, were there any benefits to the participants? Like the people who came up with this fabulous insight that led to this dramatic improvement in the market share of strawberry, of the IFF strawberry flavour. Right, right. Do you know of any outcomes from this? Well, the only one I can think of, it'd be hard to draw a direct link between this activity, but Karen did get a promotion to New York. Oh, right. So that's the headquarters. Surely that means this is uh, <laughs> a, a, a fair income winner. Ev- evidence right? enough. Evidence enough, yeah. But yeah, adding that little piece of information in would help make that story even better yeah like it, yeah that's know. true so yeah. so again this issue of high stakes yep good so it's not just about the brand there's also implications for the participants yeah yeah true and, and whenever you're sharing a story the person who's listening to it is always trying to translate it into their own possibility for themselves right you know like what if i do this 
or follow some similar route, how will this affect my career? How will this affect uh, my futures in some yeah. ways? Okay, what about how we're going to use it? What's well, uh, yeah, I, for me, one of the obvious uses of this story is it's a great example of brand storytelling. Yeah. And so I've actually got a bit of a downer on brand storytelling in general. People talk about brand storytelling and they go, our brand represents freedom, innovation, and the pursuit of happiness. It's like, <laughs> that's not a story. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas yeah. this is a genuine brand story. Yes. And it meets the criteria of a story, which is that has a, a time and a place, specific events happen, there are characters involved, and there's a turnaround, there's an insight, there's an evolution, a change. So it kind of meets all of the criteria of a story. And the magnificent thing about it, 100% true. Yeah. I do love, um, you're right about this thing about not having a real story as your brand story. It just drives me nuts. I did hear a really good one though, and I can't remember all the details, but I was listening to Tim Ferriss's podcast and they had one of the founders of Airbnb. But what was nice is this guy was a terrific storyteller. Uh, Joe, I'm just trying to think of his name, surname. Like, um, anyway, you'll find it one of, find in the more recent uh, examples on, um, on Tim Ferriss. And... He was talking about the things that he did before Airbnb, and one of them was he developed. He was a, a um, industrial designer, and he created this cushion for people to sit on, which he called crit buns, right? And crit, oh, sorry, just one more time, crit what? buns. So C R I T B U N S. Okay. And it's because students in architecture typically had to sit on the floor or on hard uh, surfaces to get their critiques, and so they got sore buns, right? And so he made this cushion. It was a bit of a long story, but he made this cushion and he, and he ended up selling it. I think he still sells it to this day, right? Oh, wow. He still has Airbnb on one hand and it, Crit Buns is out there. But he shared in the podcast his brand story, and the brand story was this just simple story about how a, you know, a young university student with no money came up with this little... Simple idea to save the buns and backsides of, of students around the world that were getting their critiques and, you know, dot, dot, dot. So it was this nice little story and it was enough to give you an understanding of where it came from, why would you need it, and also the, a little bit about the character of the person who, who did this, right? And I thought it was great. And what he noticed he was when he was selling this in the um, various uh, you know, stores that he was at, he noticed that people were telling other people the story, right? Oh, that's that's power. Yeah, so he was sort of saying he'd be just sitting there and someone would say, oh, what's this thing? It's kind of an unusual shape. And the other person would go, oh, this um, young fella, you know, it's, you know, university uh, XYZ, uh, yeah, he was getting doing his critiques. Anyway, they would tell their own version of the story based on the, the little bit that they'd read off the back of the, uh, the label. So I thought that was, that to me, that's a great brand story. Right. So anyway, that's one to check out. He's a terrific storyteller and uh, well worth listening to that episode. It's a long one too. It's like two hours long. Holy. But, but I tell you what, I, was, I could not stop listening to it. It was terrific. Check that out. Okay, so that's a really good example of the uh, Airbnb guy with a brand story. Yep. For his crip... Crit buns. Crit buns. Yeah, maybe a not so memorable uh, product yeah, name, but anyway. Name, but it's a fantastic story. And, and as you were telling that story, I was reminded of what I think is a, a great example of not a brand story that, uh -huh. that I came across. And so I'm not going to say the product name, but here's what their brand story is. 
Our product integrates digital systems and orients you towards reimagination so that innovation isn't restricted. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I really understand what they're doing, yes. (laughs) It's ridiculously unstory-like. Yes. And it's it's almost completely impenetrable. Now, it does pass one test, though. Which is? It's impressive. Yeah, it's true. It's It's got impressive words in it. Yes, yes, it does sound impressive at some level. But at the same time, it's totally incomprehensible. And it's to do with the difference between concrete words and abstract words, right? You're on, you bang on about this all the time, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Mark Twain, you should never use a $5 word when a 50 cent word will do. Yeah. Well, that one is... And so it's a thousand bucks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, oh, the other thing I wanted to mention just about brand stories, right? I often hear customers who want to find the brand story. Like there's this single story that once you've done that, your job is done. And for me, it can be further from the truth, right? Your brand is a sense of of what something is based on lots of stories, right? And so you should be trying to create situations where those stories start to get told or, you know, things happen so that people tell stories about your brand, all those types of things. Or to trigger stories about your brand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Good. Well, I think we've given that a pretty good uh, run over. I think Um, so. What, let's let's give it a bit of a rating. Where, um, you know, given what you've heard, the story, where do you think it sits on the spectrum of uh, zero to ten? Well, I think it's an it's an excellent story, and I really like the story, and so I'm tempted to give it a very very high rating. I'm going to moderate that a little bit because it's one of those stories that doesn't have a huge. It's not ubiquitously useful, right? So it has got a you know a limited range of application. Nonetheless, fantastic story. I'm going to give it an eight. Right, fantastic. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's probably the only time you really use it would be when you have a situation where someone has a product and it's not doing well, right? And you might suggest, hey, we need a story, like, and then you tell that one, right? I'm going to give it actually, even though it's one I told, I'm going to give it a seven. Uh, I think that's where it's. Well, sits I think for me. this is a we've just broken new ground there. We flipped it. Yeah. See, you've become more optimistic, <laughs> and I've gone the other way. <laughs> okay, so um, just to wrap things up. What's happening? Is there anything going on that we need to share with our uh, listeners? Oh, I, I, we will definitely share how we go uh, with the Australian Podcasts Awards when they're announced on the uh, on the fifth of May. We're all very excited about that. But as usual, if there's any uh, any stories of your own that are triggered by the story of Strawberry Tips, then please go to our website anecdote.com forward slash podcasts and make a note of your story, and all of us will have more stories to share. And so. Thanks again to all those people that have been listening to the podcast and uh, have managed to get us into the position where we're in the finalists for the podcast awards. Yeah, good. So one last thing I wanted to mention is on the 29th of May, we've actually just put into the calendar a new public program for our Storytelling for Leaders. It's going to be in Auckland. So on the 29th of May, uh, come along. You'll find the, all the details on our website and you'll be able to sign up for that program. Yep, so for all our listeners in New Zealand, there's an, a, a rare opportunity to, uh, to attend one of our public workshops. Fantastic. Well, I just wanted to finish up then by uh, thanking everyone for listening to Anecdotally Speaking and tune in next week for another episode on how to put stories to work.